Welcome to episode 140 of Crack the Customer Code. Thanks to Audible.com for sponsoring this episode. Get your free audiobook and a 30-day free trial as a listener to this podcast by visiting audibletrial.com slash customer code. I'm Jeannie Walters, and I'm here with my co-host and the guy who plays the guitar on our intro music, by the way, <laughs> Adam Toporek. I bet that's a little-known fact, Adam. That is. Episode 140, and we are letting the cat out <laughs> of the bag. <laughs> that's right. That's all you. That's funny. Yes, well, you got to see me... Uh, play very poor guitar recently that was pretty fun we had a sing-along at nsa i made sure not to sing (laughs) and i sang even though it was probably not advisable to do so (laughs) well you know it's okay as long as there are a lot of other people singing and you can sort of just blend in in the background That's exactly right and there were some people there with some really fantastic voices so i just kind of swayed and mouthed the words <laughs> well i used to yeah you know, i used to play out in uh bars back in the day when i was much younger and i'd just say hey just tell me when the last call is i'll sing and we'll clear it out <laughs> <laughs> nice well anyways i know that you are a big fan of our guest today and i know that because you shared it with me oh i see what you did there very clever there, you like that I like that. <laughs> our our guest today, Brian Kramer, I am a big fan. He is the author of Shareology and a big believer in the power of sharing. Um, and he even puts science around it. It's pretty cool. So we're re- really, really happy to have Brian on our show today. Well, you know, he's the author of two books. Uh, so it's, Shareology is one of them. And I think the other one is There Is No B2B or B2C. It is Human to Human. Mm-hmm. And it had the, the H2H hashtag, or I said that backwards. See, I'm showing my age. It's hashtag H2H, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think he likes people. He's all about sharing and humans. He is. He is. And he, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, staying and being authentic and how that's kind of a buzzword and it's become a little bit of a cliche. But Brian really lives it. And he lives it through not only what he does with his own personal brand and his own agency, but he also helps clients do that as well, some of the biggest brands in the world. And so I think our listeners are going to get a lot out of this. So why don't we jump right into it? So Yeah, he he really does walk the talk and you can tell it just from his bio. So Brian Kramer is one of the world's foremost leaders in the art and science of sharing and has been credited with instigating the H2H human business movement in marketing and social. With more than 300,000 social fans and followers and an intimate understanding of the intricacies and interworking of both social technologies and social behaviors, Brian is both a practitioner and authority on the subject. Brian is also a renowned global speaker, consultant, and trainer. Hey, Brian, how are you today? Doing fantastic. How are you guys? We're great. We're so happy to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for inviting me. This is awesome. Really excited to to talk to you guys. Well, and as you know, Brian, I'm a fan of yours. (laughs) And one of the things that I love is your approach to... The power of sharing, which I love the way you phrase that too, because you write about it really in both your books, Human to Human and Shareology. You really focus on kind of the science of it in Shareology. But what do you think is the most important thing for brands, companies, organizations to share with their customers to really leverage the power of sharing as you describe it? Go on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) 
will come to you there. <laughs> the answer <laughs> will awesome. bestow itself on vacation. <laughs> you know, it's such a it's such a big topic because it, you know if you think about sharing, it's embedded in everything that we do. It's 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 like a human need. Um, it's almost uh, you know one of those things that that you just do. And um, and you do it without thinking about it. It's it's subconscious and conscious together. Um, and and so basically, what I wanted to do was put together research and really go into understanding what, why, when, where, and how people share. And that's both sharing physically, um, meaning um, you know sharing on social media and sharing in between two people and so on and so forth, two to two or more people, and and sharing our things, um, you know, like um, uh, Uber and Airbnb and. You know, all the other cool stuff that's coming like uh, virtual reality and AR and all that kind of stuff. So there's there's so many different facets of sharing that dates back to, you know, cave paintings and how we shared visually to now today, how we share, you know, anonymously, um, somewhat anonymously anyway. And um, and in the, and at the very core of the whole thing, everyone shares for one particular reason, um, and that's to connect. Everyone wants to connect with somebody, at least one or more people, and connect in a way that lets them stand out so that they can feel feel that connection, so that they can feel um, like they're a part of something, something bigger than themselves. And so to do that, there are different ways that you can share. Um, obviously, those ways have gotten bigger than the Mad Men days of radio, TV, and newspaper. And um, and how we do that has grown. So it can get now kind of intimidating to share. It's actually gone the opposite direction where sharing used to be so simple and now it's gotten so complicated. And, um, and understanding even from a brand or from a person where, when, how, and what to share is definitely becoming a bigger challenge in remaining human, remaining, you know, it's cliche to say because everyone says it, but remaining authentic and having people want to connect back with you. Is there, do you find a generational divide at all on the sort of the, the fear of sharing? Because it seems like you know, people in our generation and later generations, we didn't grow up sharing, you know, publicly, sharing on social and all these things. Obviously, these younger generations have. Have you seen any generational differences yeah, there there are definitely generational differences. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, the the millennials are having a great time sharing, um, but uh, there's there's a lot of differences between um, uh, you know not and I wouldn't put it as a generational thing only. I I would also say that it's also how um, each person feels connected. Um, if you're connected to a device, like I have. A grandparent that um, my grandma, my uh, oldest living uh, uh, relative, that actually uh, you know comments on all my stuff, and she's connected to all my photos and and feels like she's a part of it all. And then I have you know my aunt, her daughter, who can't figure that out. So um, so so there's you know there's definitely um, a, a generational thing of. Uh, on the whole, but then at the same time, it's also about you know how different each person feels in 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 um, 
in in how they feel connected. Are they okay with uh, that? And that kind of breaks down into you know feeling more introverted versus extrovert, or feeling like you want to keep some privacy, um, whether you're an extrovert or not. And um, and some people are just born feeling like they don't want to share as much um, in certain things, like their personal lives, where others do. And that's not so much generational as it is um, you know a, a self perception thing. So, um, so it, yes and no is what I would answer. Well, and that's interesting because I know you t- talk about uh, sharing and you know, organizations and brands sharing. And I'd like to hear sort of which brands are doing it well or, or how brands are doing it well and some examples. But it'd be interesting also, you know, if you're seeing some of that impact in the boardroom, so to speak, or in these companies where trying to make the brands share well and be quote unquote human. I'll, I'll let you use your your best term for that. You know, is that being impacted by who's in power in these organizations? So I'd love to just sort of hear your breakdown of that whole idea. Yeah. Well, so you know, kind of to 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 leverage what you guys, what you both talk about. You guys talk about experiences, and the experience is what makes up um, the entire experience is what makes up you know someone willing to share and how they feel towards a company. And that's what humanizes a brand. So what you guys are doing is probably you guys can speak to this more than more than I probably can, could on the experience level because I think that experiences are what creates a more human feeling. Um, and as you start to build that experience, meaning you start to engage more out of the experience. So not only are you having a great digital experience, you're connecting back into the brand, you're understanding, you know, who they are, but also their the brand is engaging back with you. You know, it's it's telling you uh, a person behind the brand is saying, um, "Hey, happy to help you," or how you know it's usually customer service area, or or just responding to a a, a comment online about something and saying we can help, um, or even taking it to the next level of using humor. Um, you know, starts to connect you back even deeper into an understanding of you know, that person really paying attention to what you're talking about. And, and at the greatest level, what we're really talking about is personalization and how a brand uh, personalizes their approach to you versus, you know, Bob, John, Barbara, or Linda. You know, every person has their own specific question or needs or things. And as the experience starts to personalize towards each person, it just gets that much more magical. I mean, you look at Disney and they're doing it well. And I know Disney's an overused you know, um, uh, brand for this kind of thing, but you can you can also look at um, you know a, I work with IBM and and they they actually took um, a Valentine's what you would typically take for a Valentine's day and they turned it into a much more human approach. So they actually created memes that were around each person and then they actually you know put their name on it and said, we love working with you and talked about why. And then actually released that meme next to a message coming from the IBM brand handle. Something you would never experience, you know, in a million years coming from a brand. They release, you know, 50 memes coming at people that were, you know, strong influencers for them. So it wasn't just to anybody, but Excuse me. It was going to people that actually, you know, had already invested back into the brand uh, at an influence level. So this not only made everyone feel good, it also let them know that the brand was human and that they were paying attention and that they wanted to connect back. and And that really changed the course of how people felt. And then they started to embed that in almost um, you know all the holidays and everything that they were doing, so that they could really let people know what they were um, 
what they were about. But those kinds of human touches, I think that's really where where the where where it's really born. That's where that's where the magic happens. Great example. Yeah, that is a great example. I love that because it's not necessarily something you would associate with a company like IBM. Frankly, you know, you, it's not like when you think of that, you think of Valentine's. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so one of the things that I think we all agree with here and that we all kind of struggle with too is that this idea of engaging on this personal way and this idea of sharing in this really human way, I think sometimes we say those words and what the brands hear is we need to make something go viral. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm wondering like how do you combat that? How do you – because I think there's still this – this perception out there that, okay, if I can get something to quote unquote go viral, then, you know, I win. And so their quest becomes that end game instead of just sharing and being helpful and interacting in this very human way. How do you kind of combat that perception when that comes up? Well, the, the, hey, hey, Brian, we want to make our video go viral. That's our, right. that's our goal with social. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I kind of just <laughs> hang up. No, I'm, um, <laughs> <laughs> what who are you? <laughs> Viral this. <laughs> Have you read my uh, book? <laughs> would you could you call Jeannie first? Ooh. Oh, <laughs> I love no. it. You're my favorite guest now. Thank you for that. <laughs> I I think you know if if going viral is you know, somebody, and I, I get what you're saying, but um, when when somebody says that they want to, I mean, who doesn't want to be successful? And that's really the the point to your question. All, all joking aside, and everybody wants something to be, um, you know, to be known. So, you know, you can look at some of the greatest things that have just happened in the last few years, like the, um, you know, the um, uh, the ice bucket challenge. And, and, and you look at the ice bucket challenge and it was really built around some very simple concepts. Um, and, and, and I find that when, you know, I look at other, um, challenges or other things that people want to go viral, they, they are so complicated that there's, there's no chance that they're ever going to go, um, or get known. You know, when you think about the ice bucket challenge, I know, you know, it's an, it's a, it's just a great case study just because mm-hmm. it was so simple. You know, you, throw you 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 have humor so you you ask your friends to participate in this thing and all they have to do is put ice over their head on camera and post it very simple they then have to forward it to three friends there's the there's the viral nature they all if they don't do it then they owe a hundred dollars if they do do it then they i think they bypass that um or they owe a smaller amount there's the gamification part and then if um and then and then uh if if they don't participate obviously they they you know lose out and they have to pay the money so it has these very simple elements and yet it's fun and it's human and we all have you know a good laugh around each other doing this thing so um you know you can break it down into just kind of those four main buckets and 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 apply that to just about anything that you want to go viral in a very human way. Um, the, the only thing is that the original idea has to be pretty sound. And, and again, most people don't come with a sound idea. So, you know, think through the idea, apply the, the four simple rules, and, and you're going to be off and running. 
Well, and I think one of the things that really came out of that was just the discussion about ALS, right? Like that's what people were doing that for. And so really understanding what that was and all of a sudden it was, you know, they were talking about it on the news and now there was just a release this this week or last week that they have developed something further in research because specifically from the money that was raised during the ice bucket challenge. And so I think connecting those dots back to that's something we always talk about in customer experience is like if if customers are providing you information, then make sure you tell them what you're doing with that feedback. And this is a great example of that, too. So it's a really it's a really solid case study of how to do things right, I think. So great example. Yeah, well, it's, it was so brilliant. But the thing is, I think, tell, tell me what you think about this, Brian. You just can't plan. Vi- the, the only video I ever saw that planned viral was that Jennifer Aniston smart water. But they were basically saying, you know, here's how you make a viral video because you get Jennifer Aniston to kick a guy in the you-know-whats and be surrounded by puppies and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but other than that, you really, I mean, you can't plan it, right? You just don't know what's going to catch on or not. So that's, you've got to be authentic, like you were saying, and really more goal-focused, right? Exactly. You know, you, you, um, you know, you, you do need to be goal-focused, but it's, it's such a, um, it's such an interesting dichotomy when it's it's something that's actually grown from the heart. It really touches the heart, like the bat kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that wasn't um, something that they 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 knew. You know that it was going to make a, a X amount of donations or anything like that. Um, and and here's a thing again, a very simple concept: a little boy's dying wish, um, make him bat kid for the day. And give him, uh, you know, an experience unlike anything else. Who wouldn't get behind that? So, the, again, the concept's simple. And then the same four rules applied. Same exact thing. And then um, at, at the end of the day, why did it go, why did it go viral? Well, it, it was a concept of the heart. And then, and then um, – and then, just like ALS, uh, the you know the the um, uh, ice bucket challenge, um, you know, one blogger blogged about it, saying, "Here's what was going to happen." And from there, the blog, the instance, the one thing went off, and um, and that one thing went viral. So same exact in- same exact thing that happened with the ice bucket challenge. One person uh, actually with the ice bucket challenge, they can narrow it down to exactly the person who started it, where it started from, and how it actually started to transpire. So it, the point being, it always it always starts with one person, and I always give the um, example of um, you know a wave around a stadium. Have you both been in a wave at at a stadium like oh, a sports yes. stadium? Of course. Yeah, well, Judy's from Chicago, so she does that. <laughs> but yes, I have. <laughs> okay, so then you guys both know that like the the wave around a stadium is pretty pretty simple. Um, the idea behind it is that you stand up and sit down at the exact time that you're supposed to in order to make the wave look like the wave. Which, if you think about it, we're all idiots because you look at like. <laughs> You know how we stand up and sit down. It's like really we're doing this. So, but it's fun. (laughs) Some reason it's fun. We're at the stadium. We do it. It's fun. But here's the thing: it is something that is always started by one person. There's always one person that starts a smaller group that grows into a bigger group that grows into a bigger group. Before you know it, that thing turns into a live spread um, viral wave. Now. 
the in- interesting thing about the wave is that in 19, I think it was 84, it was started by Crazy George. He was a professor at San Jose State, but also he was a he was kind of a sports cheerleader at these stadiums, and so he was at Oakland A's Coliseum, and and he had uh, started the wave, but he didn't actually start it this one day. It took him three years of trying to get the crowd to do this stupid thing of sitting, uh, standing up and sitting down at the exact time that they each should in order to create the wave that they've never seen before. When they actually did it, it was so much fun. It went uh, went around several times and then they ended up doing it again and again. Well, it then spread to another stadium two weeks later, another stadium two weeks later. And before you knew it, at the end of the year, it had hit every stadium in the country and it was this fun thing. We now know this as the wave. Mm-hmm. But it took him three years to get them to think about doing this. It then took it two, every two weeks to go off and the wave became a wave. This is the exact same thing that we do online and with our campaigns. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes one person. It takes a very simple, very simple concept to, to uh, make something happen. And, you know, I feel like there there might be. That's really cool. For I never knew that story. Number one, that some guy like really methodically created the wave. And that's serious dedication. Too. I know that really <laughs> that is dedication to a cause. But you know, I, I think there could be even like a tail lesson to this, which is you know, there's always now that the waves around there, everybody's done the wave. There's always like the third guy that tries to start one after it's been done like twice, <laughs> and, and, and it's over, right? Like nobody wants to do it anymore. <laughs> That's maybe that's a good uh, extension of the whole viral thing. Yeah, at some point, we just, <laughs> we just it's been done. Nobody wants everybody wants something fresh. But right. I want to ask you about and because this is something that I struggle with. Jeannie and I talk about it a lot, and people have very strong opinions on it. Because I mean, your whole I love your message, human sharing, and you know all of the connection engagement. What about scheduling, especially for you know, people like us that are you know, solopreneurs or small shops, you know, don't have teams that are, you know, we're not Coke or Pepsi or whatever. I mean, what about auto-tweeting and scheduling and all those types of things? Because it, I, I mean, I, we, we struggle with it because on the one hand, it is automated. On the other hand, you know, the half-life of a tweet is like, what, five seconds or something. So <laughs> what, are your, what are your thoughts? Tell us, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it varies. My my um, my thinking is it's okay to automate uh, um, an outbound message. It's not okay to automate engagement. Um, it and so uh, what I mean by that is um, you know when you when you put a tweet out, if it's going to be automated for a certain time and it needs to be exactly that time, I don't see a problem with that. What what's the problem is what what's actually being said. They treat it like an automated message. So instead of actually humanizing the content or the language that's being used, they actually make it sound robotic. And so, excuse me, the language of, of um, what makes something human is almost just as important, if not more, than actually the, the, the method uh, behind how they share it. Um, and so when they you look at a tweet and it obviously looks like it's just the title, the the link and the and the hashtag or whatever, it's it's not anything that you're going to be totally excited about. But if you take something that's um, you know a little more in a question format or a little bit more you know um, uh, personalized to you know an audience around the topic, um, calling out certain people or things or brands or something from within the article that makes it a little bit more special, um, that's when a tweet becomes more human. And if you put initials after it, meaning it came from a certain person, that that's even better. So 
you know, I don't have a problem with automating. It's just how it gets, uh, how it gets actually, you know, what, what the language is on it. And, and the same thing goes for all social media. Even if you're going to, you know, share something automated to your Facebook page, you know, tomorrow morning, cause you're never up at 6am, but you know, you want to share it exactly at a time for all the people, you know, on a different time zone, fine, no problem, but just be ready to engage with people that, you know, the last thing you want to do is actually just share it and walk away. Um, if you're going to, you know, actually engage back and this goes for brands too, then, you know, you're going to have to reply back or respond back to some of the, you know, great thought out answers from some of the people that are actually responding to the post so that they know that this was something that was intentional. It was something that you're trying to get, um, you know, more engagement on and, and get to know, get to know people on. Yeah, I like that, that you can't automate engagement. That's something I think people should really remember moving forward because the more tools there are, the more tempting it is, I think, for brands to do that and people to do that too. But um, this has been fantastic and we we just have a a minute or two left here and I wanted to see if you could help us look into the crystal ball a little bit and can you give us just, you know, a high view of how do you think sharing – this idea of sharing and how the successful brands are doing it, how will that impact our customer experiences in the future? Do you have any, any words on that? Yeah, well, I don't, I, you know, it's, it's going to impact it uh, for sure. It's going to change um, because we're going to have, you know, the, the experience is going to change from you've just seen the 360 pictures come on, mm-hmm. come, come to, to mm-hmm. life on, um, on Facebook. And, um, and I think that's going to grow. I think, you know, our, our children are really going to start to bring to life some of the ways that, um, they're used to in, in, in gaming land. Uh, don't get me started on, on gaming that, (laughs) oh my God. Um, but you know, it is second nature to them and, uh, and walking through virtual, you know, experiences to be able to get your, um, your, um, uh, goods and services is definitely something that's on the horizon. Um, and, and I talk about this in Chairology and I actually pulled it from something that Faith Popcorn said in the Popcorn Report and I think it was the early 1980s in her book uh, called Cocooning, um, you know, where we're all going to be cocooning more and more out of our homes and we're going to be able to get our services delivered and we're already seeing that. We're already getting our, you know, on-demand services, anything you need, it's delivered to your home within hours if not minutes, you know, in the future. And so we're sharing our things, we're sharing our goods and services, we're able to embed ourselves more and more and see other people. That's the kind of stuff that I think we're going to start to see. And that'll become more of a generational thing for what we're going to be feeling more comfortable with, which is going to take time. It's not anything that's going to, you know, happen overnight, everything like that. Those kinds of big shifts are going to be, you know, years for us to be okay with those. But, um, but as they make the changes, I think, um, you know, it's going to, it will start to become pretty cool. You'll be able to travel all over the place and do all kinds of th- good things and meet all kinds of new people in different ways than ever before. It's already cool. Yeah. <laughs> get, and getting yeah. cooler. And getting it's, it's cooler. It's a brave new digital world. Well, this has been awesome, Brian. And I do want to say, just because you sort of mentioned uh, gaming under your breath there, that when this episode does come out, it will be hashtag Genie Plays Pokemon. So just saying, <laughs> just just laying that Brian out there. Brian plays it too, I know. Right? Pokemon Go? So... Yes. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, that game kills me. 
Oh man, I can't I can't get past level eleven. I'm I'm, I'm I just like, made it I just leveled up to level twelve yesterday. Oh no. I'm not way. even kidding. I'm not See even that? kidding. Oh my gosh. See, there okay. needs to be engagement in that game. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Adam doesn't play Pokemon. We have to change it now. I'm, I'm isolated here. I'm in my cocoon, my yes, my non-Pokemon right. cocoon. Well, Brian, <laughs> hey, this has been great. Fantastic. We love it. Um, and please let everybody know where they can find you. Easy enough. Just to head over to briancreamer.com. That's uh, Brian with a Y and Creamer with a K. Excellent. We'll have that in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for joining us and for sharing all of this with us. And uh, I look forward to our paths crossing again soon. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Thank you, guys. We hope you enjoyed episode 140 of Crack the Customer Code with special thanks to audible.com. Don't forget to sign up for your free audiobook and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash customer code. You can see the show notes for this and all episodes. Subscribe and send us feedback at crackthecustomercode.com. And we love your reviews. Have we said that before? <laughs> we Once love your or reviews. Twice. <laughs> and ratings on iTunes. So please keep them coming. I'm Jeannie Walters. Stay current on the latest customer experience trends and insights and see my TEDx talk at 360connects.com. And I'm Adam Support. You can connect with me and find out more about our customer service workshops and training at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.